Wedgwood Christian Services is a place where hope and healing meet. Join me, Hillary Kirkendall, Wedgwood's Marketing and Communications Coordinator, as I sit down for conversations with the amazing people who work at, learn from, and grow through our grace-filled residential care, counseling services, and community programs. Grab your cup of coffee or tea and enjoy experts sharing their insights on the challenges people are facing and stories of hope, healing, and transformation. These are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations. When kids and families have involvement with the court system, they are often working with the probation team. Today's guest, Marcella Morales-Morris, has worked with these families in Kent County for 24 years. She joins us today to talk about the state of kids and families in West Michigan, what they are dealing with, and the challenges she and her team are seeing, and offers some insight on how we as a community can support kids. I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest, Marcella Morales-Morris, to the podcast. Marcella is a Juvenile Services Manager with the Kent County 17th Circuit Court Family Division, overseeing probation officers and working on policies, programs, and contracts. And she's also a part of Wedgwood State of the Child Panel of Experts. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, So as the Juvenile Services Manager, I imagine you are seeing kids and their families at some pretty tough times. Um, What are kids and families that you work with uh, dealing with? Um, that's a pretty wide range yeah. question. Um, our, our youth and families over, well, over the last couple of years, you know, due to COVID, of course, um, you know, we had to shut down like everybody else did. Um, we still had kids that were in crisis that we had to work with, but we're limited. And, you know, we had to really, really refocus on what our, um, what we were going to really focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I think that during that time, you know, we had kids that were on probation that knew they weren't going to be seen. And, um, and so they kind of, you know, kind of did their own thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and now that we're back open, um, pretty much to where we were before, um, with some new technology, of course, going yeah. to Zoom and yeah. some things, but just trying to reel the kids back in. I think, um, you know, the, the last few years, it's been really difficult. Um, in contacting them, um, re-engaging the youth and their parents. Mm-hmm. So it's that's been really a struggle. But um, for us, I think mental health, and I know we're going to talk about that further, but mental health has been really big with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, COVID kind of exasperated that. And they are, um, there's just struggling a lot with depression, anxiety, um just trying to fit in and belong. So social media plays a huge role because mm-hmm. um, we're getting, you know, TikTok has made a big impact on our kids and yeah. too because they're, there's videos on there and doing dares and challenges. And so the kids are doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like, for example, maybe the, the latest one I heard was setting fire to something in school and bathroom. Oh, gosh. And so, just those kinds of things. Yeah. And then, of course, YouTube videos showing kids how to steal cars. That's mm, been really big. Great. And so <laughs> we have, um, and everybody knows, you know, about the car thefts. I think, you know, the news mm-hmm. um, shared that quite a bit. So we're getting a lot of those cases um, and just really trying to get that under control. So from that, you know, what we're dealing with now are just, are just a lot of car thefts. Mm. And that's just because kids are sharing information and they're, um, 
you know, they've been all over the place doing that, not just here in Michigan. It's kind of been, you know, nationwide. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's one of our biggest challenges right now is, is working with those youth that are, because we're getting a lot. And our caseloads are pretty high right now. Mm, that's so sad. So yeah. kids who are involved in the court system, do you often see parents involved in one way or another, or are these kids sometimes on their own? No, uh, well, we, we engage the families as much That's as great. we can mm-hmm. because um, we can't really help the child if they're going back home or, or in a household where they're dealing with the same, mm-hmm. um, you know, the parents who may not have the parenting skills or the knowledge of what to do mm-hmm. um, to help their child. So we want to help the parents. We want to empower the parents to be, um, you know, that stronger force in the home or to navigate, help them navigate through mm-hmm. to find services to help their child. Um, so that, that part is hard because um, a lot of families that we work with, they don't trust the court system. Yeah. They don't want to be, they don't want to deal with us. And then we, on the other side of it, we have parents who I think are so overwhelmed themselves mm-hmm. and have their own anxieties and stress and depression and other mental health um, issues that might be going on where they don't, um, they want to just throw their hands up and say, you take care, you, yeah. you take the wheel and you, um, you know, you deal with the child. So we have it on both, both ends. And so just trying to meet in the middle and with those cases mm-hmm. and, and getting the services provided for them so that we can set them free and back in the community without any oversight from the courts, which mm-hmm. is where everybody wants to be. Right. We don't want your kid on our caseload and you don't want us in mm-hmm. your life. So um, just connecting them to resources is a big thing so that, um, you know, they can work together as a family and, and resolve whatever issues are going on in their home and keep their kid in their home. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like not only are you working with the kids, but you're also trying to break some generational cycles in some families too. So no small task. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it, you know, we started a girls court about five, five years ago, five and a half years ago. And we, that was girls court was um, created to help young ladies who were coming to our court system. We, we saw that they were um, usually had some kind of sexual abuse or mm. some kind of um, domestic in their histories or in they were at high risk of being trafficked. We mm-hmm. were really seeing a lot of girls prior to COVID um, where we were seeing that they were, they, it wasn't being called trafficking, but when you actually look at the definition of it, um, of trafficking these girls were in that mm-hmm. could fit that definition so I think most people think with trafficking you're somebody's kidnapping you and taking you away and selling you you know to other men but really you they can be going to school every single day yeah like they're being coerced and threatened and other things so we were seeing that so we started a girls court and had some really intensive trauma therapy for the girls. Um, and what we found was when the therapist started going through different things with the family and with the child, we were discovering there is a lot of parents who had unresolved trauma themselves. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, wow, you know, we really need to get these parents into therapy because if they're not able to help themselves, they're not going to be able to help the right. child or mm-hmm. even recognize what the child is going through. So, mm-hmm. Um, that was really eye-opening, and, and not just with the girls' court. I mean, 
all our kids um, that we work with, you know, you can see some of that and yeah. all of them with their parents, their substance use with the parents or, you know, other, like I said, unresolved trauma or, um, you know, other mental health uh, issues that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the girls' court kind of helps me transition to my next question. Um, you've been working in this field for some time now, and how have you seen kids' needs and challenges change and how have the approaches to address these needs and challenges changed and adapted over time? Um, well, I've been in the field for 24 years with Kent County. So I was a probation officer for about 11 years. So working directly with the families, um, going to their homes. And I think when I first started, um, there was a lot of, at that time, we were sending a lot of kids to long-term institutions at age like 16. Um, in 17. So when I got my job, they had just did a study and were, were they're trying to figure out, well, why are we sending all these kids who are older? Like, why are they committing all these more serious offenses and we're sending them away to residential treatment? And we can't, and the study found that a lot of those kids, their first contact with the courts was at age 11, mm. which is really young. Yeah. Um, and so we started a program to kind of address that. So we were being more intensive on the front end so that it would prevent them from, you know, getting further, further mm-hmm. into the system that way. So that was something when I started that was, um, that was a focus because, you know, we wanted to get them more on the front end mm-hmm. and then deal with them at, on the back end. Um, and there were some pretty, I know I was assigned to the southeast side of Grand Rapids for probation. And um, there were some pretty serious offenses going on during that time. Again, it was still some of the things we're seeing now still, like mm-hmm. stealing cars, um breaking into houses, some thefts, you know, things like that. There was just a, you know, some violence um, amongst the different groups of kids in the community. Um, And then it kind of transitioned. I think we were focusing on the girls um, because the detention numbers for admissions and the numbers of cases we're getting for girls kept increasing. Mm. And we're like, why? What's going on? And there wasn't a lot of services for girls um, because the juvenile courts were created to deal with boys, really. So oh. there was a lot of boy-centered treatment and mm-hmm. nothing really for girls, which is why girls' court was created. So we were seeing a lot of that and a lot of domestics um, right before COVID and during COVID. Mm-hmm. Domestics with kids and their parents or, um, you know, other people in the house. Um, and now it's the car stuff and mental health. Like, um, and I know I feel like mental health is something that everybody is talking about, mm-hmm. but it's not just a conversation piece. I think there's so much to dive into with mental health that mm-hmm. everybody's still kind of learning and people aren't being, youth aren't being diagnosed. Um, they can't get into services or mm-hmm. waiting lists. I mean, it's just a lot of things that are going on. So challenges that I think that was part of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, challenges I would say would be that there's a lack of um, providers mm-hmm. and the waiting list is long, even when they start or they want therapy and treatment, the cost is mm-hmm. expensive. So um, my husband's a therapist and he shares with me that, you know, once copays start kicking in, people don't want to come anymore, mm-hmm. even though the therapy is going well and, you know, feel like you're making progress, people can't pay that cost. Um, and so 
parents who are already struggling and they're involved with us at the court and their kids have to go to counseling, it's like, well, what, how can we keep them going if they can't afford even to get to an office to do a visit? Mm -hmm. So um, that's really challenging. And then, like I said, the wait list is, is long. So Mm -hmm. sometimes if we refer to like, um, like a network 180 or something, you know, they have to wait and sometimes they can't. So yeah. That may, that's challenging and difficult to navigate through. Mm-hmm. And we'll plug that Wedgwood currently doesn't have a waiting list um, for our outpatient services. So anyone listening needs services, Wedgwood is um, ready and able to help. So you talked about with Girls Court kind of the shift towards including therapy in the court involvement, which mm-hmm. uh, is sounds very counterintuitive I think at first when you think of like take going to court and you know kind of there being an element of discipline involved but also then including therapy um, I think that's a great approach it's a whole it seems whole person focused to me can you talk a little bit about how some sorts of restorative justice um, have been included in how you and your team are working with restorative justice uh, that we need to use that probably more often we use it more in our diversion okay. program. So, like, if a youth and, a, and, like, a victim are willing to have a conversation and kind of talk about what happened or how they felt like they were victimized and and they are able to work through some of that those things. You know, I, I have worked with the School Justice Partnership for, with the state of Michigan, and we've worked in the schools to keep kids in school using mm-hmm. restorative justice yeah. practices. So, um, because I think there's, a lot of misunderstanding of our kids mm-hmm. um, and from us adults. Um, so we, we see behaviors a certain way or that they're trying to do this. And in reality, we're not looking and seeing what the root cause of the problem is. Mm-hmm. And so those conversations are really important. Um, so I think with, with the staff, with our probation staff, um, we have a really good staff. We have great staff. And they know, you know, they're experienced and they know how to have these conversations with the families and with the kids. And they do a lot of work in the home with the mm-hmm. kid and the family. They're able to de-escalate situations. They're able to problem solve. They're able to mentor. They're able to counsel. They're able mm-hmm. to do, they wear a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. And so I think when people think of probation officers, they they think of them more as just like a heavy hand or like the authoritative yeah. person. but. Really, we we as a team, we um, we all work together. We try to find services and resources in the community to help the, mm-hmm. the child connect them with anything. Like we're always open to suggestions. Yeah. Um, if anybody knows of any programs or jobs or job training or any of those things, like we are always looking for stuff and we share it amongst each other. And you know, we just really try to. Um, help the child develop um, empathy for, you know, some of the things that they may have done in the community or to their families even, Um, you know, having them talk to their parent if the parent is somebody that they've been disrespecting maybe by um, destroying things in the house or leaving without permission or just being disrespectful. So we try to build those bridges in the Mm -hmm. family, having the kids... um, holding them accountable for their Mm -hmm. behaviors, which is important, but also listening to them to make Mm -hmm. sure that we understand um, getting them to open up to talk about whatever issues that's 
causing them to that you know behave that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. Yeah, looking at the reasons why kids are acting out or maybe um, exhibiting certain behaviors, I think kind of leads into talking about mental health. Um, and we all know mental health is a huge concern for parents and teachers and even kids. Um, what are some of the concerns about the state of youth mental health from your perspective in the juvenile justice system? A couple things. Um, first, I think that some of our, some youth might find it to be like, well, I don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't need any help, especially medication. They like don't want to do any of those things because they don't want to be labeled as mm-hmm. having something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you go to the other side of it where I think, um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started, where some kids, like with social media, they might think it's cool to um, say that they have anxiety or be acting depressed or kind of mimic some of those behaviors because it's kind of the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh, two different sides of where it could be. But I think that um, mental health has always had like kind of a negative tone towards it. So parents don't want, you know, I don't need therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, different cultures may be against, you know, having somebody come into their home or to talk about problems. So mm-hmm. Um, the cultural differences with that, um, people not thinking they need it. And then, you know, because with therapy is not going to work if you are forcing somebody to go. And mm-hmm. with the court system, of course, you know, we want to make sure we're getting resources available for the for the youth and, um, and to get them to engage is sometimes hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when they do, it, it is really, really helpful. Um Going back to Girls Court, we initially started with just the therapists were doing trauma-informed therapy with the girls, and that was working really well. Um, but as I said earlier, when we were seeing that the parents had substance abuse issues or had unaddressed trauma, now we do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, a, it's part of Girls Court, so the parents have to, parent or guardian has to participate and then the child is participating, and you would not believe the difference between when they start and when they end, mm-hmm. and how the parents just like we have this one dad when he he's he's like one of my favorites now, and he but he came in and he was like just talked really low, he never made eye contact, and right at, at the end he came in and he was just smiling and Aww. he was talking and he was you know, doing activities with his child and just those kinds of things. I'm like, oh, my gosh, therapy is amazing. Yeah. So, um, I just think some of those stories and seeing um, the results of somebody mm-hmm. going jumping in and letting therapy do what, what it should do is mm-hmm. you get some really good results and good stories. Yeah, that's awesome. And that leads perfectly into my next question. <laughs> I can imagine your work can feel like a little bit of an uphill battle at times. Um, what gives you hope and keeps you doing your important work? Uh, success stories, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody has, every, you know, we do a lot of interviewing. I interview for positions, and um, when we interview for probation officers, they always say that they have a passion for working with kids. A lot of, a lot of them do. And... Um, and I think when you ask what would be the most rewarding would be to see a success case. Yeah. To have someone come back to you and say, thank you so much for, you know, the giving me an opportunity or listening to me or, or mm-hmm. giving me help that I needed. Um, so that, I think, keeps keeps you going. And mm-hmm. 
And I think there's what I love is that there's so many resources in our community and building relationships with people because I think everybody has um, good ideas of what to do. And um, sometimes those ideas are shelved for a long time until you meet somebody that Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we can make this work. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like we, we have three specialty courts right now. Um, We have the girls court, we have a mental health court and a truancy court that we're kind of revamping right now, but getting all three of those courts in order to get them off the ground, we had to collaborate with other agencies and Mm -hmm. organizations in the community and just having all the different minds come together and, and um, develop a program or what they what resources they knew of Mm -hmm. it's always great to hear and and move forward with some of that stuff Mm -hmm. so that part and I love that's what I um I love to see if we can try something different you know come up with something that's going to be beneficial to the kids and their families Mm -hmm. Um, so I really um enjoy that and I have several kids that I've worked with before that I still am in contact with. Oh, that's great. And, um, and two of them I refer to the ju- the governor, Governor Whitmer has um, a, called the Youth Council, I believe. So mm-hmm. they were looking at, they wanted to get um, young adults who went through the juvenile system to have a voice and mm-hmm. so they can hear like what benefited them, what was harmful to them. Yeah. And um, I referred two of my prior kids to that. So, well, they're not kids anymore. They're 30. <laughs> <laughs> but they, um, I, I believe they're going to be put on this Oh, that's awesome. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. Are there things that our listeners and community members can do to help support West Michigan's kids, whether they're in the probation system or maybe so that they don't need it? I would just say be supportive. Um, kids need to be listened to, mm-hmm. um, not just pushed to the side, like, oh, you're just, you know, whatever that they may think. Um, don't label our kids, any of the kids. Um, just be understanding. Build those relationships because mm-hmm. when you have those relationships, a kid will trust you and, and share mm-hmm. with you um, what they need. Um, you know, I've I've seen that, you know, with coaches, I've seen that with teachers, Mm -hmm. um, with probation officers, when you have those relationships with those kids, they're going to tell you what they need. Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you how they feel. Um, so I would just, um, encourage people to, and it's hard. I know it is because even with my own kids, sometimes like, oh my gosh, this is like your 10th question today. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of like, they're, they're obviously trying to tell you something or they're trying to share something with you. So, uh, just keep that open mind. Even when you're frustrated, just think how, how the kid is feeling Mm -hmm. or how the youth is feeling. So, or maybe make a challenge to yourself where every day you at least check up and check in on somebody. Mm -hmm. How's your day going today? Because sometimes you'll be amazed what that response could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, So I just think that's really important. Mm -hmm. But also, if you want to (laughs) go deeper than that, um, pay attention to uh, legislation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on the Governor Governor Whitmer's um, Juvenile Justice Committee. Mm -hmm. um, And we created a juvenile task force last year. And that task force came up with 
31 different recommendations mm. um, that were really, really important. And that was a, it was a wide group of professionals that were on this task force that came up with these recommendations. And so um, there's several that are being highlighted right now where legislation is going to be um, hopefully pushed through, but uh, we need community support yeah. to get the legislators to mm-hmm. um, vote on the, these issues and make sure that they're being addressed. So that's um, that's really important. Mm-hmm. We need more money in mental health. We need more money in schools. We mm-hmm. need more money for service providers mm-hmm. um, so that you know we don't have to charge these families that can't afford to get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to put that money and funding into it so we don't have to put it into corrections later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Investing your time and your money into yeah. kids. Well said. We always need mentors. Yeah. Uh, the court does too. So yeah. um, we connect kids with mentors and that's always really important. And I know people don't have a lot of time, but if you have some time uh-huh. and you want to dedicate some of that time to helping a troubled youth, um, you know, kind of navigate and see things that they normally wouldn't see, mm-hmm. it's, that's impactful as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, having an adult that invests and cares about a child is so important. So sometimes that needs to be somebody other than a parent. Right. Mm -hmm. Those are great suggestions. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marcella. And thank you for all you do to advocate for the youth in West Michigan. Your work in Kent County and in partnership with organizations like Wedgwood is so important. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Marcella was recently a part of Wedgwood's State of the Child panel discussion. You can hear more insight from Marcella and our other incredible panelists by heading to wedgwood.org SOTC to watch the full replay of the event. If you'd like to learn more about mentoring a child at Wedgwood or through the 17th Circuit Family Court, check out the information in the episode description. Wedgwood Christian Services is committed to extending God's love and providing exceptional care and support. Head on over to Wedgwood.org, that's W-E-D-G-W-O-O-D.org, to learn more about how you can get connected to services, support Wedgwood's mission, or join our team. Connect with us on social media at WedgwoodCS, or send us an email at hello at Wedgwood.org. We would love to be a part of your story. Until next time, these are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations.